So yeah, for me to go to, and go and get like uh, Nigerian food, I'd need to travel an hour by train <laughs> to a restaurant in the middle of nowhere to go and eat and then say, and then not tell anyone I had Nigerian jollof. Imagine. I can't tell anybody. I can't celebrate it. <laughs> Even though I would. I fully would. Because like, yeah, why not? You're now tuned into The Sound of Accra. This is the show where we chat with colourful creatives and entrepreneurs from a Ghanaian background all with a special interest to the city bringing you one step closer to Accra. Now we're back again for part two with the interview I did with Ken Daniels and he's the founder of Echo, a creative video media production company. And in this episode, we're going to talk about things like what it is to be Ghanaian in Spain. You're also going to learn a bit more about um, his past jobs in Spain and how that's helped him to um, get to where he is right now. You're also going to learn a bit more about his plans for Ghana and so much more. Um, just to remind you, you can get the show notes by going on the soundofacra.com website. You can also visit us on Instagram at the sound of Accra. Uh, we're now available on other podcast platforms such as Spotify. Uh, so please check out your favorite podcast platform to listen to us on there. Uh, for those SoundCloud listeners, uh, we may be moving soon. So just keep that in mind. Now, having said that, let's get into the show and I'll see you on the other side. Take care. This actually leads me to my, this actually leads me to my next um, question, actually. Yeah. Because I've seen, you, you mentioned, you know, all of these challenges and there's a lot of challenges going on in social media at the moment, um, you know, because of the lockdown. And, you know, I think, just coming to think of it, being a creative um, videographer, um, I think social media should really be a great place for you to kind of show off your, your skills and your talents. Mm-hmm. How has it been for you leveraging social media to kind of maybe attract clients or to kind of raise awareness about what you do to people? Um, funnily enough, it's probably been the area that I have struggled the most with. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, everything that I do is based around creating, um, I don't know, creating content for other people based on their specifications, based on their structure, based on their skeleton. When you're creating it for yourself, you've got all the possibilities in the world and that's that's completely okay. That's fine. You, you know, trial and error, like I mentioned before, is, is something that, you know, works really, really well. Mm-hmm. But what's been difficult for me is not being a perfectionist and being able to upload something that may not be 100% what I had envisioned. So... Looking at, you know, there's silly things. Um, okay, I, I'm going to upload a video. I want to upload some some images of, you know, a prequel to the video. What images do I upload? On my Instagram, if you like have a look, you can see that there's um, th- these images are split into three and then after them comes a video. Mm-hmm. For me to get those three images, I export 10 to 15 other images from the video. And then I try all of them out until they are exactly the way that I want them to look. So like they've got the right balance of colors and things like that. And that is something that I'm just like, I don't have to be so specific about how things look or specific about how things work. Um, Because people aren't coming here to say, oh my God, look at this guy. His arrangement of these three photos is perfect. Yeah. The only other people that are going to realize it are the creatives who will be like, man, I like what you did there. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> I'm probably, you're probably not going to be my client, kind of thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I've really struggled with not being a perfectionist. True. Um, True. But what I have found is that having a mix of those, there's certain things that are a bit more polished, mm-hmm. but having more content that is, that is around me and what I do has been a really, really, really big help. I really, really like people are interested in seeing that, you know, there's a company that makes videos, whatever, but they are very interested in seeing who's behind it. Yeah. And that has been a really, really good thing. When you're looking at Facebook and looking at Instagram, if you can see who the person is, you're attached more to whatever it is, the service that they're giving or whatever product that they have. True. Um, so I've learned a lot about, you know, being more confident in being able to upload a video and saying, Hey, it's me again doing some cool stuff. Um, which mostly is in the pipeline at the moment, but, um, it's something that, yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's very powerful. And this is not just for creators. I think it's for everyone that the biggest part of what people are connected to isn't the company name. It's a human being. And even if you use examples like Dell, HP, uh, any computing company, if you had good customer service once from that company, then it's that human being that you're connected to. And you say, oh, Dell's really good. I called up the customer service and they were great. You, you know what I mean? I guess it's, yeah. there's an attachment or, you know, my MacBook's really, really good because you went to the Apple store and they gave you a great service. Like it's all tied in. So, sure. so yeah, just pushing, pushing that personal, the personal side of personal brand has, has been really, really good in, in being able to pull in, pull in and, and, and attract new clients because a lot of people say that they like the way that I work in the sense that they like the fact that I am able to communicate with them and they like the fact that I, you know, I'm, I'm more transparent than other people. What that means, I don't really know because I, I work with the people that I work with, but, um, yeah, been positive. Wow, man. Wow. Um, that's, that's quite something. Um, I didn't know how much of a struggle that area was, you know, you, you would think sometimes it's probably one of the easiest parts of what you do, but you know, lo and behold, sometimes it's the hardest parts. Hmm. Mm. Wow. Okay. And you know, I know you've been in Spain for quite some time now. Um, so how did you tell me about the journey? Tell me about the journey moving to Spain and, you know, getting to where you are now, you know, lockdown, you know, (laughs) I always knew something big was going to happen. I just didn't imagine that. (laughs) You know what I mean? I didn't imagine this. (laughs) I always imagined something big would happen. Look at it. Stay in your house. (laughs) Yeah. Do you know what? It's 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 been a, a bit of a mad journey in the sense that I well, I'm 29 now, mm-hmm. and when I left London, I was. I thought you were uh, much younger than that, you know. <laughs> I'm, you're the first person to say that in a very long time. Really? If you haven't seen my face in a while, that's what it is. I'm holding. I was thinking more like 27. Yeah. I'm holding onto this grey hair that's popping out my chin right now. Like, Are you, uh, yeah. I'm 30 in July. Yeah. Mad. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, gosh, yeah. Another 30 in lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, if it's in July, I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know hopefully not. Do. Hopefully, hopefully you should, should we'll have some kind of restriction loosened up by then. Man. Yeah, no, they will do. Yeah. They will do. <laughs> but yeah, but, man, please continue. But now, yeah, I was going to say that like my, when I first left London, I think I was, I think it was 2015. So I was turning 25 that year. And I left with the idea of leaving London for three months, six months max. That was it. I was like, I'm just going to go out to Spain, see something new, different air, just, just something, something different, a literal different air. Cause that pollution is a lot. And, um, <laughs> um, I got here, like did some, some teaching. I was like teaching, at, um, an English Academy. Yeah, and 
Yeah, it w- and it was it was alright. Um, I, I, I can't really talk about the company too much because they got shut down very quick. Um, I left after three months, and I got a job in like a school. And I, it's funny enough, I I actually still till this day have a really really, really good relationship with that school um, mm-hmm. because they were like my foot into Madrid, and they were there when I was like, hey, I want to do more about videography, and they you know they allowed me to like try that stuff. And most schools would be weird about like a guy coming in and just like, hey, I've got a camera. I can make cool videos. They were like, go for it. Like yeah. if the kids are down, we're down. Like they're like, <laughs> obviously oh, it's only going to be used internally and which is exactly what it was, but like they loved it. So I was there for, you know, about two years kind of doing video with them. And then when I left, I continued doing video for them. They, they actually commissioned me to do projects um, with them, which is really cool because I get to hang out with friends and do work at the same time. So it's, you know, it's, it's a good, it's a good thing. Um, but I think I was still at the point where I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do in my life. And mm. that was both, do I want to be in Spain? Do I want to be in London? And what do I want to do in the, either one of these places? Mm. Mm. And I guess that's kind of, I guess, where the, the, the idea of being able to move around with whatever business that I got into um, stemmed from, stemmed from the idea of maybe I don't need to be, I need to be based somewhere, obviously, but I don't need to be attached to that place 100% where I'm like, okay, I'm going to be there, you know, every single day of my life. Yeah. Maybe there's a possibility uh, of, of moving around. Um, so yeah, I did that for a bit. Then I worked in sales for, I think a year and a half or something like that. Um, that started off well. I learned a, a ton, a ton from sales, uh, positive or negative. Like I learned so much and I'm very grateful that I had that job. Because one of the important skills, one of the most important skills yeah. in the world. I'm telling you whether you like or not. I think people put out a uh, perception that sales is a, is a dirty kind of word, but I mean, yeah. the, the actual skill in sales can open so many doors for these ridiculous. It is something that the, the image of a sales person is the, is someone who knocks on your door and tries to by force get you to buy something that you don't want. The typical, yeah. hey, um, you know, mm, uh, what are those things that come through the door? A catalogue that they put through your door and you're like, if you don't return the catalogue, you have to pay for it or windows <laughs> or, yeah, like a hard sales kind of thing. Yeah. And then when you actually get into the whole like process of it, it's like, okay, what is sales? Well, you speak to someone, you have a conversation, you find out what it is that they want and you f- then after that see if you can help them with that it's not whether you can you know make this master plan to get tons of money out of them like that may come in the future but not even like in that kind of sense the idea is can you provide something to that person that meets their needs or exceeds their needs yes or no mm. that simple and i didn't know that it took me a long time and i had like sales training and stuff to get my head around that I didn't need to go up to people and say, hey, buy this right now, buy this right now, and do what I do on a daily basis. Be like, sup? What's going on? How's life? Like, <laughs> what? Why, why are you calling me? Oh, well, like, look, here's what you do. Here's what I do. But like, I'm genuinely interested in what you do. Um, I don't want to call you to sell you stuff. I want to call you to find out like genuinely if there's things that you're interested in doing, things that you, 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 you're struggling with. Again, obviously the pitch was more refined than that. I, I just don't want to highlight what the company does itself. Yeah. Um, That's fine. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I had great conversations with people. I had conversations with people who would genuinely say, I don't want to buy anything, but I'm happy to talk to you. Mm. And in the end, you sell something to them and you're like, 
wait what and this is this is how the sales of people never think about like yeah. and it's not because i twisted that person or i've got magical powers or there's which is it back in the village that are helping me like none of that nonsense <laughs> <laughs> none of that nonsense like the person genuinely had no interest in in spending money but they had an interest in fixing a problem yeah. and me explaining what the company did they saw value in that problem being fixed and they said you know what we don't have funds, but we'll find funds and we'll do it. So nice. all of that, all of those skills that I learned from sales yeah. was key for being able to do videography because I went from a system where this is the price of this product, this is the price of this product, and they can choose between, let's say, five products. Yeah. To a situation where someone says, hey, I want to get a documentary done in this eight episodes. How much do you charge? And I'm like, oh, I need to have a conversation with someone about money that doesn't exist. There's, there's no product or package for this. And without that, I wouldn't have, have, have known how to do it, how to manage it. So the journey has been very much up and down of, do I stay here? Do I go back to London? Yeah. Where am I going to go with all of these skills that I'm you know developing? Are they useful? Because I'm doing sales because I think it's the right way to go because I'm interested in you know speaking to people and I'm interested in marketing and mm -hmm. I'm interested in camera. So it kind of all sat in the same world. Yeah. Um, but for a long, long time, I was like, I don't really know if I'm doing the right thing. And in the last two years, it's starting to come together. There's this picture that's being painted. Um, and the main core of all of it has been, if you're doing something that you enjoy, mm. obviously you're going to do it well, but you'll be, you would do it for longer. And yeah. in all the other examples, either I enjoyed the people and I didn't enjoy the work or I enjoyed the work or I didn't enjoy the people that were there. <laughs> you said, you said <laughs> and, that. You made that clear. Yeah. And I, and without highlighting which one was which, I've still got a good relationship with the school. So it's, it's one of those ones where like I, videography was a happy medium. I'm not saying that every day, you know, like I wake up on a bed of roses and there's just cash all around me and I'm just yeah. living the best life. Like, it's not that at all, but I have way more highs than lows and I'm in more control over how things are done um, more than not. So, so yeah. That's it, man. Okay. Okay. Brilliant. And after you, after your um, position in the cells, is that when you started the um, Echo? Company. Yeah, so actually, funny enough, and I can be honest about this, my job in sales got to a point where I either I was going to get fired or or I was going to quit. Okay. And so it, it was against it, that place, yeah. Yeah, it was. It, it was the company's a startup company, and okay. the the product that they sold is an older product in the sense that like it's not it's not a common way of of uh, it's not a common process that people still use. Okay. Um, again, I'm not highlighting anything because I don't want, like, if you research and find out who they are, cool, but I'm, I'm not pointing fingers here. That's but either funny. way, um, so when it got to that point, what they started to do was they started pressure, like adding, like, I don't know, making people uncomfortable and, and, and adding pressure to staff members mm -hmm. so that they would want to leave. Not even the case of like, okay, let's terminate a contract because it's costly. It's very costly in Spain to, to terminate someone's contract. Wow. And um, yeah, I got to the point where I was losing sleep. Like I was not, I was not in a good place. I didn't feel comfortable going to work. I probably had, in terms of the company, I had friends and people that like I was cool with, but they weren't mostly in my department. And it just got to the point where I was like, they could fire me if I stay, but I don't think that I'm mentally going to be able to kind of maintain myself 
on this line until I don't know, I'm not going to be able to kind of maintain this line of it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. I'm saying mm-hmm. it's okay because I've got no other option. If yeah. if I if I face reality, I won't go back there. Yeah. And I think that night I I tried to go to sleep, I couldn't sleep, and I I think I didn't sleep the whole night. And I woke up the next morning. Well, woke up, I <laughs> continued awake, went yeah. walked to work, and said, "Today's my last day. I'm out. I'm wow. I'm leaving." And they said you know, thanks for giving us your notice. If in the next two weeks you change your mind, let us know. And I said, no, no, I'm giving you my notice now, eight in the morning. So by five o'clock, I'm out. Like, that's it. There's no notice. I'm out. And I said, you've got two options. You can pay me for the next two weeks and I will stay here and not do any work. Or you can just happily sign whatever papers you need to pay. Sign, pay me what what you owe me and I'll leave today. And that was it. I was out and... I started doing a couple hours working at school again um, just to get some kind of income. And I was like, look, you're going around in circles the whole time, but what's been consistent throughout all of these jobs, event management, schools, uh, sales job, is you've always had a camera in your hands. Be it on a Tuesday evening. Yeah, I always had a camera. I was always, you know, not not specifically at those those jobs, but like when I finished, I'd go home and, you know, go out and film like an event with my, with my friends on a Thursday night. Not even for money, just for fun at some point. Um, then, you know, get a random phone call to say, hey, look, we're looking to do a music video. Do you think you could come through? So I was like, well, I mean, yeah, this camera thing kind of working out, but I've never sat down and taken it seriously. So, wow. so I need to take it seriously. Fine. That was that was I mean the starting line kind of started before that company but it was a very big push because mm. that was when I realized in life I've worked in a load of different places like I've been working since I was 16 and this was the <laughs> point where I realized that the the one thing that I was missing was a drive that wasn't based on how do I describe it wasn't based on this corporate pressure. Yeah. I needed a drive that was based on me wanting to do something and me believing it as, as weird as that might sound. Yeah. So when I looked at like the creative stuff, that was always, that drive was always there at university or, or problem solving in it. That drive was there. No one had to tell me, Hey, you have to be driven. But in other areas I was driven and I was told, no, you need to be driven in a different way. You need to be driven. And, and, being managed or not being managed is not a problem for me. It was more the fact that like, I felt like I was kind of being pigeonholed. I felt like mm-hmm. there was a process that I had to adhere to and there was no budge. There was no flexing. Wow. Um, and with videography, yeah, I'd have to, you know, change things in a certain way, but not to the extent where, you know, I'm not losing sleep over a video ever. Mm-hmm. Like if someone says, Hey, I want a video this way and I don't agree with it. I say, okay, that's complete. It's your, you know, it's 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 your perspective. I'm not going to argue with that about it because you're so, in control. Exactly. I think I'm the one that's. It's the material I've recorded. If you want it this way, I don't think it's a good idea. And you want it this way, that's okay. But the material itself, at least I know that it's you know the quality is is where it needs to be. Um, yeah. And then other 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 jobs like I didn't really have that. You know, like one of the things that that was like a very simple thing that in in the videography job I don't have was. My market in sales was the UK market, but I started work at eight in the morning. I can wake up at six. I can wake up at five. Like I don't wake up early is not a problem, mm. but it didn't make sense that the first two hours of my day, I was just waiting to speak to somebody in the UK because no one's in the office for the first two hours of my day. Nice. And then once those two hours passed, they're like, yeah, they're in, but they're in a meeting. 
So it was, you know, and that was like a conversation. I was like, hey, I would like to start work later because obviously I can be more productive, so on and so forth. And the response was, I should be willing to stay later as opposed to starting later. And I was yeah. like, I, I, yeah. I'm not even trying to like swindle the company. Like I'm, I'm, I'm proposing this is a good idea. So it was a really good push. Like I said, it, it's, it's something that like, I'm really grateful for going through that process because it made me realize that with videography, there's so much more that I can achieve. Um, and I just need to use that as a motivation to say, yeah, let's, let's go for this. Let's, let's, we've got a company that's built. It's, it's good to go. Like, let's push this. We being me and my brain, we have conversations. Wow. Wow. That's quite some journey, man. Quite mm-hmm. some journey. And you've definitely gone through something to get to where you are today. And I know you're quite, I know you're fluent in Spanish now. Um, how did mm. you, Get, how did you manage to get fluent? Um, the <laughs> realest answer <laughs> is um, our friend alcohol. I <laughs> <laughs> I started uh, before I came to Spain. I, I that we got a, our they offered us an elective, so like a, it was two hours a week um, back at university. Okay. But it wasn't enough in the sense that yes, you would learn for two hours. But then you do some homework, but then a week later you would have advanced. You know, it was very, very slow in advancing. You need way more time within a classroom to learn. Was that, was that back in Brighton? Yeah, it was in Brighton. So that was two thousand and from two thousand nine, two thousand twelve. Okay. Um. So then I decided that I was going to go on a language exchange and meet people who wanted to practice English. So then you know I could practice Spanish with them back and forth. And I made friends um, with a group of Colombians who were who because there was a big connection between Brighton and, and uh, Colombian University. Mm. Um, and I hung out with them every single weekend wow. for I think two and a half years. And right. you know we just went out, had fun, um, and they would they would take they took me to Colombian clubs in Brighton, and I was like, what? how is this Colombian real? Clubs? Yeah, how is this? It was like it was like a club night just for Colombians. And the first time I went, the bouncer refused to let me in because. Obviously, like he was just like, this guy is not, he's not like, I've never seen him before here before. He's not part of the group. And he turned to me and in English, he said, yeah, you can't come in. It's a private night. And my friend Yimi, who's Colombian, then said to him in Spanish, nah, nah, he's, he's, he's coming with us. Like he's cool. And the bounce, I didn't even know the bounce was bilingual. I just thought he was just, you know, just, and he was like, ah, ah, you should have told me beforehand. Now I look like an idiot. Yeah. Again, I'm telling you this now, five years later, at the time, I just heard, and I was like, what's going on? He said, no, it's cool. You can come in, man. He said, you can come in. It's cool. Next time you come, just say, just say you're with me. I was like, okay, cool. And I go in and they're playing salsa and merengue and bachata and everyone's doing all the dances. <laughs> and I'm just there. Like, I could basically say, where's the cloakroom? I'd like another drink, please. Like, that was more or less what I was running with back in those days. And they would just be like, no, you're going to learn through immersion. You're going to learn by just talking with us all the time, talking, talking. Um, and then fast forward, I, you know, I made more friends with Spanish people and they all told me about their cultures and, and, and you know, where they were from. Um, and I said, oh, one day I need to go to either Colombia or Spain to go and see these stories, to see these stories about, you know, the, 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 the views that you get in Valencia by, by the beach or Ibiza's sunsets that are incredible or going to like Barranca de Meja, which is in Colombia and, <laughs> and how it's just a mix of just food, just all different types of food or the salsa and gali, all these stories. And I was like, no, I need to go to these places for three to six months just to go and live it and see what it's like. And obviously when you look at a flight, 
Ryanair is taking care of us. So, <laughs> I, I think, yeah, Spain won by price. I think if, if yeah, if it was if it wasn't if if Colombia was cheaper to get to, I probably would have gone to Colombia because that Colombia. was where I first yeah yeah, and that's how I became that's how you immerse yourself in that in that kind of um, culture you know, yeah Spanish speak Spanish speaking culture because obviously I know in South America uh, every country speaks Spanish except for Brazil which they speak mm-hmm. Portuguese and obviously yeah. in Spain they speak Spanish so. Um, it was another even, even those ones that Spanish is different from country to country. Mm. Like it's, it's it's the same way that you look at like um, dialects in Ghana. Like yeah. how you can tell where someone's from, like the Northerners versus Southerners, from the way that they talk, they dress, the culture behind everything like that. So that was a, that was a, a big part for me. Was when I first got here, everyone said where are you from? And I said, London. They said, but you know, where are you from from? And I was like, oh, Ghana. And they're like, no, but your parents, your grandparents, like which one of them is Latin? And I was like, what? <laughs> and I didn't realize that my Spanish was very Colombian, like wow. very Colombian. And it took a while for me to like lose some of the words that I didn't realize were to everyone here. They were weird. And to me, I was like, this is oh. just a normal word. It's just okay. a complete normal word. So like as in cultural differences, yeah, imagine imagine you don't speak English and then someone teaches you like a, like a Southern American accent and then you come to London and you're just there with your Southern American and everyone's like, stop that. That's not how you speak. <laughs> it was one of those ones. But I obviously, I was on the receiving end. I didn't, I didn't know that that mm. was happening. So they had to teach you when you got to Spain? They, they were quick on correcting. They were quick mm. on correcting because they're like, if you're going to live here, this is what we do. And at the beginning, I fought it for a long time. But then <laughs> again, it's hard because these are words that you hear every single day. You can't yeah. like, you can't avoid them even if you try. Yeah. It's really hard to reprogram something sometimes. It's like, for example, if you have a bad driving habit, you have to kind of reprogram yourself. You know? Ooh, that one I can't accept. That one I can't accept. That one I can't accept. <laughs> oh, no, no. If you got, if you know, if you don't know, it's one thing. If you know, you have to reprogram it. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, of course. Driving, you get. But no, nah, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> so if you could, if you went to Colombia, like how, and, and spoke Spanish, like, would you know how to approach things? How would you, would you approach things differently now? I guess it's, it's code switching, isn't it? And I don't think, I, I think I've lost the ability to code switch because I learned my Spanish with Colombians and then changed over to um, Spanish from Spain. Okay. So where my, you know, where my head thinks in Spanish, it's Spanish from here. It's Spanish okay. from, you know, from mostly from Madrid, actually. So if I were to go to Colombia, Colombia, maybe there's three or four words that I would be like, oh, I can change this word here, there. Yeah. But I, I, I don't have the knowledge. It's not even comparable. You know, it's, we're talking where we're now 2020 oof yeah oh i'm getting old but yeah, 2011 was when i was peak speaking like colombian spanish every day really and now nine years later like so you're fully yeah. you're, so even before you even got to spain you were more or less kind of fluent i could yeah no i could i could i could in terms of the level i had like a, a b2 which basically means okay. that you're fluent enough to have conversations with people and express your ideas yeah but, you know, I, I couldn't be put in a really, really deep conversation about space and time and things like that. Like, I know okay. oh, this is okay. way too much. This is way too much. But I can have a conversation where I express myself. Like, um, I've been working here and this is my job and describing the job a little bit kind of thing. That was the kind of level I had. Okay. Wow. And what's it like being a Ghanaian up there? Like, what's 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 it like in Spain, maybe being a Ghanaian, being black? You know, I mean, I know there's black people in Spain. 
But mm. I mean, what was it like for you when you when you moved out there, and maybe how it is now? Like, have, have you ever have you ever felt kind of like left out? But I think you probably haven't because you've you've always you know you've had a lot of friends from that from that kind of culture anyway. Hmm. Um. I, that is a very good point. I when I got here, I did have a base. Like, I did have like people that I already knew family friends so it wasn't like I came here with nothing I, like yeah. that would be a, a total life I said that so it, it was a comfortable start in in reference to like being a Ghanaian like uh, the best way to describe it is, is pain it's pure pain just mm. because there's things that when people get homesick when you get homesick you're like you're cool um, I want this, I want that, I want to see this person. You can at least find some kind of way of connecting with it. So yeah. let's say, for example, I felt like not eating Spanish food and I wanted to get um, <laughs> something that's proper British, like yeah. uh, like Chinese or Indian, <laughs> for example. <laughs> like on a Friday, yeah, on a Friday. Well, yeah, obviously it's more common in Britain, yeah. Yeah, like on a Friday night, I just want to get takeaway, something like that. I can yeah. do that. Um, if I feel like talking to someone, you know, you can FaceTime or that kind of stuff. And that stuff is still true. But if I feel like having Red Red, if I feel like yeah. having Gary, if I feel like having Kelly Willie, like it's not, it's not like I walk out my, like I, there are the the two biggest, tell her that, well, the two biggest outside of Latin America, um, black communities that exist in Madrid. This is specific to Madrid. Are Senegalese first and second to that Nigerian. So, wow. if I feel like having jollof, I have to accept the fact that one, the jollof where so where the where the community of Nigerians are is in a place called Fuenlabrada, which is South Madrid. It's like an hour away from mm. the center. These mm. times, I haven't got a car. Like you don't need Madrid is tiny, so you don't really need a so car to move around. Yeah? I've got a, I've got my Spanish license, but I don't okay. have a car because okay. I don't need it. I, okay, I need even. It. Okay. Like for the events that I go and do, kind of thing, normally they're within the center of Madrid, so I don't. It's more expensive to have a car here than it is to than it is in London, yeah, because it's so small. Yeah. So yeah, for me to go and go and get like uh, Nigerian food, I'd need to travel an hour by train to a restaurant in the middle of nowhere to go and eat and then say, and then not tell anyone I had Nigerian jollof. Imagine. I can't tell anybody. I can't celebrate it. (laughs) Even though I would, I fully would, because like, yeah, why not? Um, and then travel an hour back home. So then the next best thing I can do is Senegalese food. Now, Senegalese food is great. Like, um, uh, and like, if you haven't had it, people who haven't had it, like, definitely try it. The problem for me is that it's way too similar. Some of the dishes are way too similar to Ghanaian dishes. Mm. So it's not that it tastes bad. Yeah. It just doesn't taste the same okay so they have their own version of like jollof which obviously isn't jollof but i'm there seeing orange rice and i'm like oh they didn't make this right and i'm like no they did this is how senegalese people make it <laughs> so in terms of being a Ghanaian, being able to kind of uh, connect with Ghanaian culture it's moments like this where i'm speaking to family and i remember there's certain well you remember like it kind of comes out there's certain things that within our culture we have yeah that in Spanish culture don't exist in English culture don't exist and American culture because here there's a lot of American culture as well mm. don't exist so it's it's been difficult um, but then at the same time and this is where I'm, I, I guess I'm really proud um, because of my upbringing is my friends on maybe a weekly basis say you're way too African 
all the time and it makes me laugh <laughs> because apparently there's things that I do that they're just like you're just so African and militant about this like I'm like this is my belief I can't remember what happened the other day I think someone was talking about either ghosts or I can't remember what it was it was something oh it was about something about anim- oh that's what it was it was the bat it was the coronavirus bat and I said as a genuine response we were talking about like how obviously everything was started and guy at a bat and I said in my life I don't mess with animals that are not on a leash <laughs> and my friend was like why are you so African and I was like no I'm serious like have you ever seen me interact with anything that's like not on and I said even dogs themselves like if I don't know the owner I don't mess with it I don't interact with animals like that birds up in the trees that's cool I'm not going up a tree I don't touch that stuff kind of thing so it's I don't know. It's 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 nice to know that that part of me is still inherent, and people recognize it. Like I like that, <laughs> but it's it's difficult at times. That like you know, I cook, and if I ever get homesick, I have to go and find very strange ingredients to replace ingredients. We have Maggie Cube here. Uh. We have Maggie sauce. Um, when my mum came one time, she bought a big bag, a big bag of um, black eyed beans. So like it's 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 nice, but obviously it's not frequent enough. When I come back to London, uh, it's the same as when I went to Texas. Uh, I just eat everything I can, everything I can. I don't care about the weight. It's eat everything I can. <laughs> and that's how you put on those away in Texas and at the, the wedding, isn't it? Oof, yeah. All right, all so, right. Enjoying food, amazing, amazing. That's how you get to know our culture. Enjoy the food. Of course, why not, man? Always, man. Whether you're in Ghana, whether you're in England, just wherever, wherever culture you go, you just I mean, the food is always one of the the main things I like to enjoy, man. And I think a lot of people hmm. agree with me. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm um, just bringing this to a close. Um, I know you probably haven't been to Ghana in a while. Oof. Yeah, too long. It was too, too long. long, yeah. Right. So I was actually supposed to go at the end of this year. Mm. I was mm. I was scheduled to go. Uh, tell a lie. I was supposed to go in September. Is when I was supposed to go. And then when everything kicked off, I was like, cool. At the end of this year. Yeah. And now it's kind of just like well, we, there's no even point in planning it. We don't really know you what's going to happen exactly. Yeah. But mm. the last time I actually went, I was six years old. It was 1996 mm. was the last time I actually went. And it's been a big dream of mine, not just to go back and reconnect with like family that are based over there. Um, culture because there's a lot of culture that obviously through our parents we've definitely learned of but course. like being there you 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 going back there there's things you're like oh okay this is real like yeah. positive or negative this is the reality here that you could never you could never translate or, or be able to to express to somebody else they need to go and see of it and experience it for themselves of kind of thing you've hit them down the head um so, so it's been one of those ones, but I've wanted to go there and take my camera and, and show Ghana from my perspective, someone who is an outsider on the inside. And that's been a big project for maybe the past three or four years. And it's just been postponed, yeah. postponed, postponed. And this year I, I was on the front of my dad at the start of the year. And I said, look, I've actually put money aside for the flight. And I said, whether it goes up or if it goes down, Mm-hmm. I know maximum, maximum flight's going to be 800. Maximum, maximum. So that money, I'm going to put aside. <laughs> and no matter what happens, we'll go. Mm. And uh, apparently... Apparently, no matter what happens, was very weak. My, my. Apparently, this is this is a bigger matter. <laughs> <laughs> because Ghana's now trending, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, when you went yeah. in, when you went, I mean, all those years ago, when you were six, we... Did you have any memories? I mean, what did the crowd? What, yeah. did, what was the sound of a crowd to you back then? Did you have any memories back then? 
my fondest, fondest memory of, and I never forget this for as long as I live, was um, we went we went back and we're at my granddad's house, my grandma and my granddad's house. And I didn't know whether I like coconut or not. I just, I just never really had it that much, I guess. I was six years old. So, yeah. you know, you kind of like, like, I don't know if I don't like this or not, but I'll try it kind of thing. Cool. So there's a house boy at my granddad's house and my granddad said, do you want a coconut? Yeah. And I was like, that's a very weird question. Like, <laughs> who just randomly says that? But again, when you're there, you experience you're like, oh, rock. Cool. And, um, he told the house boy to go get coconut. And this guy, legit walked up to this coconut tree and within four or five leaps he was at the top of the tree and i was amazed i was like what just happened <laughs> one a man climbed the tree number two for my coconut like for me well, he climbed who am i climbed like, all the way up there just for you just for one coconut i was like <laughs> what came down got the coconut bap, cutlass opened up there was a coconut drink and i was I like wow and after all of that, I was like, I don't like coconut. My granddad uh, was like, I should beat you. <laughs> I should beat you. Like, because he saw how amazed I was with the guy growing up and he was laughing at me because he was like, oh yeah, like, look at this guy. Like he's he's only seen his his flat in London and cars. He doesn't know anything about real life. True. He doesn't know anything True. about like, you know, we came then we were like little princesses and, 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 and princes. Yeah. My granddad was like, you like, you lot don't know about life. True. And again, as, as a kid, I didn't really... I didn't really understand why he was so harsh on us and that kind of stuff. Why he was so, he'd constantly just be on us. Just like, why do you act like this? Why do you act like that? And now I'm old. I'm like, yeah, why did we act like that? Like <laughs> someone getting a coconut is someone getting a coconut is normal. So yeah, one of my fondest memories is that. And when I go back, I'm going to try and fail to climb a coconut tree. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't, man. We don't know what casualties, but Please don't, man. I just have a helmet on, man. Uh, uh, but yeah um, honestly Ghana has changed a lot when you go out there Mm. Um, we'll probably have to save that for another separate private conversation Um, but Mm. yeah I think you really enjoy it Um, and I think it's a it's a very fertile ground for creatives like you to come out there and you know show your skills I mean there are a lot of videographers or documenters you know that I could probably throw out there um, that you may or may not know Um, you've got Vanessa Canby you've got um, Passport Heavy, Wadi Maya, mm. um, the Anchen Pong family. Um, I have all of this in the show notes for you guys, and they've got some really, really good content, video content on Ghana, both from a creative perspective and for a uh, tourist tourist perspective. You know, so um, it's definitely you know some something I would recommend you to check out. And I think once you eventually come down, Ken, I think you'll mm. love it. And you, there'll be oh, no, opportunities I'm, for you to get really, really creative shots and to tap into a different market, potentially. The fact that I came here for three months and stayed for five years, Ghana is a whole nother level. <laughs> like, it's a whole nother level. And I would not be surprised if I was like, yep, yeah. I'm here. Yeah. Like, so I'm, I'm excited to do it. I'm sure you're excited. But I guess, I guess you never know because some people, you know, they've been out there and they've only, you know, they don't like to spend too much time out there and they come back here. Um, whereas there's people that have been there once and now they want to live there. You know what I mean? Yeah, Especially yeah, now, yeah, yeah. I think with the whole year to return. Thing, year of return. Man, it's crazy. I've never seen so many Americans out in Ghana. Yeah. It was ridiculous, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. Okay. And um, uh, before we wrap up the show, uh, was there any and was there any announcements? Was there any messages you wanted to send out to the world out there? Uh, yeah, both, I guess. In terms of announcements, um, 
we touched on this a bit, but like I'm gonna spend some more time um trying to highlight, I guess, some of the my processes and how I how I do things. So a lot of the stuff that I talked about is gonna be on my YouTube channel, mm-hmm. which is it's up now, but there's not um it's mostly client work at the moment. Yeah. So you can see the stuff that I've been doing. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna kind of, you know, do a bit more behind the scenes and, and explain stuff a bit more. So again, all of my social media is wrapped around hello um echo echo depending on where you're from and how you want to pronounce it um so yeah uh that will be out by the time this is up it'll probably be out but by next week and um, the first few episodes will actually be online awesome um and the second part was in terms of you know last messages was to anyone regardless of whether you're creative or not um the fact that you listen to this podcast is is amazing enough mm-hmm. okay. um go and chase, you know, not chase your dreams and, you know, aimlessly run around and be like, maybe this is going to work, maybe it's not going to work. <laughs> Trial and error. Like, do the smallest version you can of whatever you're thinking and see if it works and go from there. Because I, I know a lot of people who really want to do something, start a business, you know, um, uh, learn a new skill, whatever it is. Don't look at the mountain and try and, you know, get to the top of Everest. Like, just look at climbing a small hill first. I like and that. I think that's that's something that a lot of people we'll see great results from and a great result could be that you don't want to do it that's still a great result i like that man you should i think we should change the name to to big ken man big ken <laughs> not big not the big ben the big ken <laughs> I like that. Oh, man. Look, that was golden advice right there i'll make sure i have that in the in the show notes too i don't normally do put quotes in there but i think this is the first one <laughs> Um, quote from Ken is going in there right there and I'm writing this down um, before we let people know how they can get in touch with you and how they can follow everything you're doing in your journey Ken what actually what's actually um, inspired you in the industry um, in terms of what 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 kind of trends have you how have you been able to keep up with trends and what's inspired you as a creative to keep coming out with with, with fresh stuff and to keep evolving as a creative um I guess the biggest thing that drives me is a mix of seeing new content without even trying. Mm. You open up Instagram and you will see really great content. You'll see some content that isn't so great. But the fact that there's a complete mix and a melting pot of different types of creators and you go from your TikTok all the way through to, you know, Vimeo, which is, you know, premium. You know, these people are directors and, and cinematographers and things. And being able to see how I fit somewhere in that world, my drive has been put something up, see how it goes, and then keep going in that circle and learning something new each time you do stuff. Mm. And every time I make a video of one that I've made, you know, previously in a similar sort of style, I'll challenge myself to do something new. So I'm inspired by seeing what's happening on my feed mm-hmm. and, and that drive allows me to then, you know, push myself to say, when you make the, this the next time round, throw this effect in, throw this, uh, you know, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Throw this um, technique, that's the word. Throw this technique in and, and see see what's going on. So, Brilliant. Awesome. So you're just evolving bit by bit, just adding to your game little by little each day. That's just as yeah. you said with the big hill and the, the mountain, you know, analogy. I think, you know, I think you actually lived that out, which is really good to hear. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> Army, you're in this lockdown. And uh, <laughs> how, how can they get in touch with you? How can my listeners get in touch with you, man? 
So yeah, no, I'm 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 an extrovert and I'm very social. And even in lockdown times, um, Instagram, uh, website, Facebook, and YouTube are all hello, spelled normal H E L L O, Echo, which is E K O W. And if you are familiar with Ghanaian names. Echo is actually Echo, which echo. means born on a Thursday. Echo, born on a Thursday. So yeah. there's the magic behind the company name that not many people know. Yeah, even I didn't even I didn't even know that till today, man. I mean, that just shows that just shows how long this this conversation's been um, due for, man. Even I didn't know that, but now I know. Long overdue. Long overdue. Ken, thank you for, for coming in the show, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you so much for thinking about me, man. I appreciate of course, it. Man. I appreciate all that you're doing. Of course, no, no, man. Just just trying to um, take this community where it needs to go to. Um, so um, that's it, guys. So what I'll do, guys, is um, this was a long episode, another long episode, like I did with uh, Queen Yar a few episodes back. So what I will do is uh, split this into two parts so that you guys can really um, have the attention span to take in both of these uh, cuts and get everything in. Yeah. And Ken, thanks again. You stay safe Thank you, in Spain. Thank you, sir. You Don't too. Much stupid. love. I want to see you again sometime. All right. <laughs> <laughs> My guy. <God. All> right. <laughs> Take care. Okay, guys. Speak in Spanish. Tell the guys bye in Spanish. Speak in Spanish. This is what my dad does. Tell us something in Spanish. What does that mean? It means, what do you want me to say? Yeah, say that. Say that. Adios. It's the same as Adios, the- amigos. Adios. Hasta luego. Bye, guys. Thank you. Take care. So that was the end of part two with Ken Daniels. I hope you guys enjoyed that two-part podcast series. Now, what do you guys think? Do you guys enjoy the the two-part format or do you guys like everything in one podcast episode? Because I know some of you don't have the attention span for very long podcasts, so I thought I'd make things easier. Let me know your thoughts. Drop me an email, info at thesoundofacra.com or drop us an Instagram message and we'll take a look. If you want to be in a show, drop us an email, let us know and we'll see what we can do. Having said that, I've been Adrian Daniels. You've listened to The Sound of Accra. You can get the show notes by visiting our website, thesoundofaccra.com. And once again, you can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform. If we're not on there just yet, uh, please bail with us as we're waiting to get on there. All right, guys, take care. Until next time. Peace.